0: Abre open our eyes. We'll be singing this song all throughout Lent as a prayer, asking God to help us see and hear and love as God does. And I want to thank you for making your best attempt to sing this song in the language in which it was written which is Spanish, and I know that singing in a language that we don't know well or perhaps at all can be uncomfortable. But I also know that those kind of experiences can be a reminder for us that our eyes are opened as we open ourselves to see the world through the eyes of others who experience the world in different ways. As we begin the season of Lent, I also want to highlight a way that you can help open the eyes of your pastors. We invite you to join with us on Tuesdays as you are available during the lunch hour in the chapel to explore the coming week's preaching text with us. We would love to know what it is that you are seeing, hearing, and experiencing as we interact with the biblical texts together. We find ourselves this morning on this first Sunday of Lent with Jesus in the wilderness. Now, for many of us, the wilderness represents a place of recreation and renewal. And I am one of them. When I need a retreat, please don't take me to a big city. Take me to mountains and canyon lands or to the Flint Hills. These are places where I find beauty and peace. It's interesting that in the Bible, the wilderness conjures up a different kind of image. Throughout scripture, the wilderness is generally a place of barrenness, of of danger, of struggle. And such is the case for Jesus in this morning's scripture text from Matthew. He has just experienced the highest point in his life, or perhaps one of the highest points in his life, his baptism, where he recognizes and gives consent to God's calling in his life, and he receives God's empowerment and blessing for all that lies ahead. And then comes the sentence that perplexes me every time I read it, no matter how many times I read it. Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Really? The same spirit that descends on him blessing at his baptism now leads him into the wilderness for a time of testing? Perhaps Matthew's way of telling the story is less perplexing than I sometimes think. It could be that Matthew is attempting to convey that as Jesus is poised to begin his ministry, testing is part of his ministry preparation testing that is meant to help him clarify his purpose, strengthen his commitment, and build skills as well as muscles for dealing with the very real challenges that lie ahead. This grueling time in the wilderness is a crucial time of learning that following the path of God is not necessarily easy. It often involves conflict and struggle that lay bare one's deepest vulnerabilities. I am impressed with how harsh this time of testing must have been. Forty days is a long time to be alone. And alone without food? Exposed to harsh elements. Vulnerable to attack by wild animals or maybe even bandits. Perhaps Jesus drew comfort remembering that he wasn't totally alone. He was following in the footsteps of his people. The people of Israel. Who wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. Learning to trust God. Moses who fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness on Mount Sinai, listening to God give the law. And Elijah, who spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness before he heard the still, small voice of God. Over the centuries, Jesus' people had come to understand the importance of wilderness preparation. This year, as I read this familiar text once again, I found myself drawn in a new way to the importance of wilderness preparation. That may well be uh, because of the stories I have been hearing from our youngest son, Chris, who is currently finishing up fire school in Winchester, Kentucky. As a certified emergency medical technician, he will also soon be fighting fires. But what I've been most impressed with are his stories about the intense preparation that goes into learning how to respond to explosions, fires, car accidents, and medical emergencies of all kind. Fire school is clearly not for the faint of heart. It requires three months of intense physical and mental training head-learning, and skill-building. It is demanding and exhausting work. And Chris does not complain, which is amazing to me, because I sure would. The thing is, he understands that such disciplined preparation is needed in order to be able to respond effectively and automatically to the extreme and potentially life-threatening challenges that lie ahead. I guess we can give thanks that we are not all called to this vocation, but we are called to face the particular challenges that come to us in life, often often from many directions. Some of the most difficult challenges are the ones that hit us at the core of our being, the ones that sow doubts about our competence, our integrity, our sense of worth. Challenges that leave us wondering, what is true? What matters most? What or who can I trust? I am convinced that these are the kinds of deep questions that Jesus found himself asking alone in the wilderness and all throughout his ministry as he is assaulted by the heavy and conflicting expectations placed on him by others. In the wilderness, the questions come to him in the form of temptations. And they come to him at a particularly vulnerable time, after he has been fasting for 40 days. In his weakened state, the devil comes to him. Look, you're hungry, and and so are the crowds that will be following you wherever you go. If you are the son of God, why not just turn these stones into loaves of bread? Feed them satisfy their hunger for bread and your hunger to keep them happy and hey the road ahead of you isn't going to be easy i hope the one that sent you out here gave you an inkling of just how tough it is going to get wouldn't it be nice to know before you get started that God will protect you, keep you safe, that, that there will be a happy ending to this story. Uh, just to test it out, why don't you jump off that pinnacle? God's supposed to send angels to catch you, right? And you know that you've got very important agenda to accomplish and very little time. Think about how much more easily and maybe effectively you could get it done if you had in your control all the kingdoms of the world. If you had all the power that you wanted and needed in your hands, I can make it happen if you bow down and worship me. the curious and perhaps most dangerous thing about these temptations is, on the surface, they don't look so bad. What's wrong with feeding yourself and others when there is hunger? Asking for a sign from God to protect you? Or using your power and influence to effect positive change in the world? Perhaps nothing, except that in this time and in this place, these temptations represent a challenge to Jesus' sense of identity and calling. They come at a time when Jesus is struggling very intensely with who he is and what he is about. So it's no accident that the devil begins his temptations by saying, if you are the son of God. Then Jesus is forced to ask himself, if I am God's son, what does that mean? Does it mean eradicating hunger and fixing all the world's problems? Does it mean being safe from every risk? That no matter what lies ahead, no harm will come? Does it mean having power over, taking control, becoming a dominating force for the sake of positive change? These are the kind of questions that face Jesus, not only in the wilderness, but all throughout the wilderness of his ministry. They come at him time and time again. Who am I? What am I to be about? To what am I ultimately committed? In whom do I trust? And am I enough? These are foundational questions for Jesus. And they are foundational questions for us as we seek to pursue our calling to follow Jesus in doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. As I think about the state of the world, it has become evident to me that we, like Jesus, need Preparation, perhaps intense preparation, for the big challenges that lie ahead. What might that preparation look like? How might we prepare to engage the challenges that are coming and, in fact, are already here? Here are some suggestions that grow out of my own experience. And I look forward to hearing the wisdom that you, all of you, will add to this conversation. First, we need to retreat to the wilderness with Jesus. That is, to a place where there are fewer distractions so that we can slow down and listen and hear more clearly the inner voice of God and see more clearly the terrain of our own inner landscapes. Second, in this wilderness space, Hard questions and uncomfortable feelings will likely come our way. We can expect that. The question is, might we learn to welcome them? Might we learn to ask, hmm, what are these hard questions and uncomfortable feelings trying to help us What light might they shed on the powerful influences that under the surface drive us? Our needs for security and survival, our need for approval and esteem, our need for power and control. The wilderness is the place to ask, what would it look like to trust God to meet those needs. Third, it is very difficult to welcome these hard questions unless we are grounded in the love and grace of God. The wilderness is a place to be continually attentive to the voice of love. The voice that says to us, I know how you are made. I know that you are dust. And you are my beloved, always. Always, no matter what, you have been created by love, for love. This is your true identity and calling. Fourth, as we ground ourselves in this love, we are called to follow love's way. Jesus heard this calling clearly in the wilderness. And when he was tempted to follow other paths, he fed on words that had sustained his people as they themselves wandered in the wilderness. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Worship the Lord, your God, and serve only him. These holy writings handed down to him by his faith community over the centuries helped Jesus find strength and a sense of self of centeredness from which he could respond to the temptations and to the challenges of the wilderness and faithfully follow God's path of love. This path was not easy for Jesus and sometimes it is not easy for us. And that's when it's time to watch for the angels God will send to minister to us along the way. And I know from experience that there are many of those angels right here at BCMC. I'd like to leave with you an image that has become for me symbolic of angels there to minister to us. In the wilderness. Our family traveled to Israel in 2015 when our oldest son Matt was living there and our trip in true Harms family form began with hiking and camping for several days in the Negev Desert in the wilderness. What an appropriate place to be as I pondered the desolation wrought by the injustice being perpetrated in that region, and as I pondered some pain in our own family life. Adding to this dismal tone was the fact that I had caught a nasty respiratory virus, probably on the airplane on the way over. I wasn't feeling well, and the steep, rugged climbs left me short of breath and wheezing and coughing. After one particularly long climb, I was ready for a rest. Looking ahead, I saw on the horizon, in the middle of this barren wilderness, A large tent. When we got there, our son, Chris, was already inside, sitting next to a fire, drinking sweet tea served by a Bedouin grandma. What was this place? We didn't know, but we stepped inside the tent and joined Chris, and we were immediately enveloped in the shelter of this woman's generous hospitality, nourished by her refreshments, her laughter, her kindness. And in the end, we were strengthened to continue the journey ahead. It's a powerful image for me. And that image has left me wondering I wonder how it was for Jesus, how he experienced those ministering angels in the midst of his wilderness. Did a tent appear out of nowhere to shelter him? Did sweet tea revive him? Did kindness restore him? we are assured that at the end of his ordeal, his hunger was satisfied. His vision cleared. His strength restored for the journey ahead. And thanks be to God for that. As we reflect on this story, Alongside the stories of our own lives, I invite you to enter into a time of confession with me as we acknowledge our need for God in the wilderness. Let's pray. Gracious God, We confess that we have deep, aching hungers and sometimes we can hear nothing but their clamor. We confess that we risk our well-being and flirt with self-destruction, hoping that we will be safe and loved. We confess that we long for power, self-control in our own lives, dominance in our relationships, and we are willing to give too much for this power. We have been tempted, and we have sinned. Breathe into the silence of our guilt, the whisper of repentance, that we may know your forgiveness. Amen. Please join me in the assurance of grace.